What does Colgate mean by live life to the brightest? Could it be a rich glass of red sipped inside a Parisian cafe on a snowy night when my gaze is met by a tall, mysterious... <coughs> I mean, brushing is directed with Colgate Optic White Pro Series Toothpaste gives you a visibly whiter smile in just three days so you can live life to the brightest and finish that glass without worrying about teeth stains. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. What's up, people? This is You're Not Listening, the podcast that teaches you how to actively listen to music one song at a time. I'm Sean O'Loughlin. I am Sean's dad, Jim. And uh, we have another special guest. We're doing so many guests, guest after guest after guest. People are going to just expect that we have guests every single episode now. But um, we have an awesome guest today. We are joined by Alex Rosamilia. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, good. Not many people get it on the first show. You know, (laughs) after all of our correspondence, I never even once thought, how do you pronounce that last name? <laughs> exactly how you um, said it. That's fine. Alex, Alex is uh, a musician. He's the guitarist from the Gaslight Anthem, Dead Swords, and now the Forgivers. Uh, but he's probably best known, I'd say, for his work with the Gaslight Anthem, uh, which I would, is I would probably have to agree with you. Yeah, <laughs> which, which is my favorite band. I've talked about them a couple times on the show. I I just I, I love all of their music. And I saw, Thank you. just to give a little background before we get into uh, what songs we're doing, I saw on Alex's Instagram page that he was offering guitar lessons a little while ago. And so I reached out to him and I said, hey, like, that sounds cool. Let's do some guitar lessons because I really kind of wanted to up my game a little bit during the pandemic while I'm stuck at home and, and learn a little more on guitar. And so we had some back and forth and we scheduled a bunch of guitar lessons. And one of the first things that Alex said to me when and I don't know if you remember this uh, on our first lesson, but it's he the said, whole reason I'm here, isn't it? This is the reason he's here. Yeah, he said, "What you need to do is actively listen to music." And I said, "Huh? Well, that's funny because <laughs> that's something that I talk about regularly." And so, you know, we were talking about figuring out chord progressions or something. I said I was having trouble with this, and you said, "Well, you, you need you, you need to not passively listen to music. You need to actively listen to music." Can you give your definition of that, Alex? Before we get into that, Sh- sure. Uh... Uh, so yeah, so like you know, most people I I, I feel listen to music in a, in a passive sense where they they put on what they're doing, um, and uh, you know maybe they're doing something else entirely you know while they're listening to music or you know even if you're sitting down and kind of quasi focusing on music you're just kind of letting it hit you and kind of blow right past you as as the song progresses, but um, to like actively listen to it is to hear where the intervals are going and have where the time signature is and trying to you know predict where it's going to go it's like a little game i guess i play with myself try to predict where it's going to go or what kind of bridge they're going to use um you know as it goes on throughout the song uh just trying to i guess have have more of an interactive kind of response to the music as opposed to just kind of listening to what's happening yeah and you gave me a lot of tips on kind of some some theory stuff that I wasn't really super familiar with that helped me figure some things out like you can kind of start to predict you know the Mm -hmm. different chord progressions and and the keys that because I think my my main problem was and I still am working on it was figuring out what key it's in what key a song is in and then what chords you can use um, to build Mm -hmm. off that so and that's something that Alex helped me a lot with Um, cool I'm glad I could help 
Yeah. <laughs> Check it out. Check you out. Uh, if Are you still doing <laughs> lessons? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm still doing them. Uh, yeah. Still, still, yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's something I never thought about doing um, until we, we were put in a situation where I wasn't really allowed to tour anymore. Right. Um, Which is changing. Yes, thankfully. Forgivers has a bunch of shows coming up in the fall and winter. Let's hope it stays that way. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I, you know, somebody just like, why don't you just do lessons? And I was like, I, I don't know. I've never really thought about it before. And so I just put up a post on Reddit and on Instagram and keep people came and, you know, people still hit me up from those posts kind of, I wouldn't say regularly, but every once in a while. Yeah. So I've been, you know, still teaching, um, kind of, you know, whatever you want to learn, basically. <laughs> I don't really have like a set lesson plan for anybody. Yeah, it was, it was kind of cool when we did it. Cause I, you know, I said, this is the specific thing that I want to work on. And we worked on that and you kind of gave me some tips and, and tricks. Mm -hmm. But then we also spent time just kind of learning songs. Like I said, I love this song. And you said, great, let's go through it. And you use that to teach yeah. kind of some of the theory. Well, yeah, I mean, that. example, I think is the best way, you know, I can kind of explain what a minor chord is, but you know, you can hear it a lot better than I can explain it. I feel, you know, so to kind of show a bunch of songs that would have a similar progression, um, to kind of show you why they have a similar vibe. That's mm. basically the same thing, you know. It's like a, it's it's like something that kind of you know unlocks in your brain, and then you start hearing it every time you're listening to music. I think once you start becoming more active of a listener, it's it's kind of uh, it's hard to go back or backwards, um, even if you're not intentionally trying, you know, like. Um, it's it's something that's almost becomes an innate kind of sense of listening that's added to your already listening abilities. Right. Do, do you ever have moments where you wish you could just passively all the time? <laughs> yeah. It's yes. like almost it's a distraction when from whatever kind, you're trying to do. Kind of, yeah. Especially it's like the second the second I catch something is in an odd time signature or something, and it's like, all right, where is it? I gotta figure out where it is, you know, or, or just trying to, you know, I don't know. It, usually it's comes in the sense of like, if I'm not trying to listen to stuff and then all of a sudden a bridge that would kind of come out of nowhere happens and I get like a, Ooh, good mm. job guys. Kind of a thing. And then keep it to my head. But, um, yeah, there, you know, I, I do, it sounds pretentious to say, but it's like, I, 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 you know, I, I envy those who can still kind of where the fourth wall hasn't dropped yet, you know, and it's it's still like this kind of magical. I mean, it's still music is still a magical sense to me, too, but not in the extent that, you know, some some other people I know have it. Does that make Dad, Dad, is that different from the way you listen to music? Yes, it is. Um, well, I, I think I've always been able to kind of um, listen to it with a little more in, enjoyment until um, I started DJing so much, you know, back in the day, and then it became work. And I, I don't know if it ever has has done this for you, Alex, or not. But I I almost didn't enjoy music as much as I used to. I used to like really be thrilled just to hear any and all kinds of music. Um, but then it when it turned into a job, um, it, it, I stopped enjoying it. I wouldn't say I stopped enjoying it so much, but I, I did kind of realize a couple of years ago that I'd stopped kind of like uh, listening to things. Other than kind of the, I kind of, I suppose I, I had started kind of listening to music that was more along the lines of what the Gaslight Anthem sounded like to try to kind of like 
figure out things to do or right. like and get be ideas living in that world like that. Right. yeah, yeah I, just I think, living in that world and i, I kind of caught myself not listening to everything else that right. i used to, that, that, to that's kind of what what i and what I, I guess that's a really good way to put it too alex um you know you, you listen because you want to add something else to the mix or hey i want to play that you know next week at, at a, a function or um, you know, I really like, like the way that kind of works in with another song. So, but, but anything that's new out there, just kind of, I couldn't fill my brain with it anymore. And I realized after a little while when it was turning into so much work and, and the whole reason why I wanted to, to do the DJ thing is because I didn't want to be the cheesy DJ thing, but the guy, I wanted to be somebody who played it cause I loved music and I was starting to lose that. So I stepped away from it for a little while and kind of found the fun with it again. So yeah, no, that's, that's a good question, Sean. That's exactly what happened with me too. And and the funny thing is now that I'm done, now cool. I'm, I'm loving it again, you know. And then I get the opportunity with uh, my son to do this kind of stuff. Like this is what it's all about. This is what we're supposed to be doing, you know. So loving it, loving it. I feel like nice. you're not usually a fan of the songs that I bring in, though. And I need to like convince you. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> Which is kind of the point of the show, anyway. Yeah, you know, and I I feel the same way sometimes too. Um, but if if I remember correctly, I turned you on to Gaslight Anthem, right? Yeah. You did. You did. So you know the old ma- the old man can bring one to the table every so often, you know. And OAR, I remember yeah. we yeah uh, we, we found those, and I found them from uh, from folks at a wedding too. Said you got to play this stuff. It's like great, I'm gonna play anything that's gonna be new and different. And then all of a sudden it's like I like these guys, you know. So yeah, yeah, Thank for you. sure. So we got a couple songs we're gonna talk about today. We're gonna talk about one Gaslight Anthem song, and we're gonna talk about one song from The Cure that Alex wanted to talk about. But before we get into that, uh, we wanna remind everybody to make sure they subscribe to You're Not Listening wherever you get podcasts. Rate and review, all that fun stuff. Check out the Patreon page if you wanna support us. We really appreciate that. And make sure you check out Pantheon Podcasts. As you know, we are proud members of the Pantheon Podcast Network. And if you like this show, I guarantee you will find a lot of other music-related podcasts there that you will enjoy so who, which one do we want to do first let's do patient for ourselves first all right was yeah. i not supposed so, to say what it was yet no so you can yeah. it's going to be the title of the show so people will know <laughs> okay uh, th- this is actually my favorite gaslight anthem song we're gonna we're gonna cover uh the patient ferris wheel and it's not just because i love it's 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 my it's definitely one of my wife's and i believe it's my mother's favorite gaslight anthem song wow well, look at that. well that's why we're doing it's one of my faves this is all about Alex's mother. Good pandering. Good loves, pandering. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <occasion for> us. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I love this song and I love the whole album, but, um, and I was going to say, you. it's not just because I love Ferris wheels and I have, I have one tattooed on my arm. I'm a big fan. I, I was going to ask That's you not if there's, what a, there's a theme here. Okay. This is about the song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so this is, this is from the um, 59 sound album. Here's a little snippet of it. So we'll play a little bit more later on, but I want you to go to the official You're Not Listening podcast playlist on Spotify or click the link in the show notes to listen to it on YouTube and then come on back and we will talk about it. Dad. Yes, sir. First uh, initial impression. Oh, it just kills right out of the gate right from the start. I mean, you you know, you've heard it before, so it's yeah, not like yeah, your yeah, first yeah. impression, but like yeah. what's what's your, you know, I, um, what's your take after listening to it? The, and I think the placement in the album, if I remember correctly, it it, um, it comes right at the right time too. I just remember when I first heard it, it was the old, whoa, what is this? And it, it just kind of- It's track one on side B. 
Okay, and it just it just explodes it's right after Miles Davis and the crew. yes, yeah, which is mm-hmm. obviously Miles Davis is a little a little less of uh, of, of the uh, the aggressive song. That's you know? that's uh, I was all intentional. Was I, it okay? I, uh, all right. I and, was always a, a stickler for uh, track listing. And it, yeah. So and was it, that your influence to put that there? All of us together, but it was like you know, it's like um, if there's a term for it, Springsteen does it all the time. Um, where you take each side and kind of make it a mini record so it starts in a spot and ends in a spot and you can turn it up. you know like a you know like any type of theatric thing will have like a kind of ending to the first act right like three acts turn the record yep. over and there starts the second act so you want to be as bombastic at the start of the second half not as bombastic but almost as bombastic at the start of the second half as you are at the start and, of the first half. and that yeah that's what what worked I think you know because it hits you so hard and it, and it and it's relentless. It just goes, you know, for the entire song uh, until the break near the end when you know it's the, the we, quiet thing. We then it were crazy. indeed. <laughs> What's that? Did you yeah. use that Les Paul that you had had uh, told me about before for this one too? No, that's a that was a jazz master that was loaned um, to me from Fender because on the last day of pre-production, uh, Alex tripped over my guitar cable and broke the headstock on my SG, <laughs> and I didn't have another guitar. <laughs> So luckily, Fender was able to send me just a jazz master that I ended up borrowing money from uh, my mother's boyfriend to be able to purchase said guitar um, and then used it for kind of that whole tour. Um, Anyone notice how quick he was to throw Alex under the bus with that? Oh, well, (laughs) because Alex is well aware. (laughs) But in an essence, it kind of created the sound, you know, because I was... uh, it's playing an SG. It was an SG with the P90 in it, but it was still a much thicker sounding thing, and it was way more of a high output thing. I, I never, I never realized when it was happening, but looking back, t- uh, Ted really, Ted Hutt, that is the guy that produced that and American Slang and LC and Sleepwalkers, um, amongst a bazillion other things. But um, how clean he made everything. You know, we were we were a punk band. And we were loud and bombastic and overdrive. You know, we weren't like super chunky. You know, we weren't trying to be like you know hair metal or anything. Although, if I had a choice, <laughs> I would. I tried. I tried to sneak it in every once in a while throughout. The year. Um, well played. Well played. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it was. Uh, but it's it's really like a, it's super clean sounding. The jazz master has a lot to do with that. You know. Uh, being uh, you know uh, the two soap art p90s and, and, and that's that's noticeable to like and even to an, a, a non now no, i'm going to be the first to um to admit you know here the three of us i'm not the musician you know that obviously you and shauna but even to a non-musician that's such a unique sound you know right again right out of the gate um you know, with you just kind of kicking off, mm-hmm. but it does sound like it's a different type of tone, and that, and that was very different than what the original recording would have been if Alex didn't didn't do that with the uh, with, with stiff yeah. record. Yeah, yeah, no, well, yeah, it definitely would have been, a, I think, a bit more high gain. Yeah. So, a little, Alex, so did you think I have Alex? another recording? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, yeah, I guess I should. You know. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. He called me just a little while ago and said, just "Let's say, ask hey, if listen. we." By the get, way, get him off the hook. He called me a little while ago and just asked if we could have you do that. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I have another recording of this that it, it sounds mm. like it was either maybe during pre-production or like a, a sound test Possibly. or something. It was the, the it was released with a bunch of other tracks not too long ago. Do you know? Yeah. Oh yeah, we released like the 
demos for 59 sound uh, uh on the anniversary of like the 10 year anniversary of the record so was that with it with the other guitar because it sounds uh, pretty different yes i can it play the two the i, I want to play the two intros right back to back so this is sure. the original one that we just listened to yes. okay and then this is the one from the demo I don't know if that's. I mean, it just, is. It's way fuzzier, right? Yeah, it is. It's a. It's a much different sound, and mm-hmm. and I don't know if it's just because it's not as highly produced or is, is it's not mastered or anything. But um, no, I mean, I was definitely going for more distorted thing. I, I didn't. I'll. We did. Uh, Forgivers did pre-production with Ted Hutt not that long ago, um, and we walked out of there the, the first day. One of I can't remember which one of us said it, but one of us was like, he really like cleaned up the sound, and I was thinking to myself, I'm like. Sorry, can I curse? Yeah, you know yeah. I mean? Okay. So I was like, fuck. We didn't he want did to do that. that to the gaslight anthem too, didn't he? <laughs> you know? No, I, you know, it's, I, it, I didn't even, it didn't even know, I didn't even realize that it was that way. And then, because live, we all, we went right back to where it was. And at least I did. Um, you know, so it's, everything got super, not, I wouldn't say again, not high gain, but overdriven again, you know? So, and live is how I become accustomed to these songs, you know. Uh, uh, you know, I don't sit at home like listening to Dead Swords or Gaslight. You know what right. I mean? After the records, I listen to it a, a whole bunch while I'm recording it and stuff. And then once it's done, once Spotify has it, I'm like, okay, see you later. <laughs> On to the next. Um, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, kind of. And then you know, so like live is how I remember playing these songs, which is again way more overdriven than than the album. And you do notice a difference in those, just those two recordings. And mm-hmm. I, I noticed the difference between your different albums. So I'm guessing that he didn't produce um, Get Hurt, did he? No. Because that no, is not. much heavier. That's much. Yes. Much yeah, yeah, yeah. Heavier. And that, again, was an intentional thing to go that route, you know. Uh, and it, I think it worked for that album. But yeah. It, it's, it's, yeah, I don't think it's something that Ted would have been, Ted would have tried to real Clean it up a little, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. So I have a, a whole bunch of notes from this because it's stuff that I always notice every time I listen to it that stands out to me. Um, cool. And it, maybe the best thing for me to do would be to kind of go through this and then see what you're, what you have to say about each of them, I guess. Sure. Um, the first thing that that always gets me every time is um, is Benny's drumming in this, um, hmm. particularly when he's hitting the center of the cymbal. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. I can play it here. It's actually right after. Like the, the bell? Yeah, when he's hitting the bell. Mm-hmm. And and uh, that always stands out to me because that seems like just such a intentional choice. Um, and I want to. It was. Yeah, let me just. It definitely was. You can yeah, hear it best he, in the very beginning right after it kicks in. He's got some of the fastest wrists of anyone I've ever met. <laughs> like, I'm serious. He's he's un, uh, unbelievably quick, uh, which is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> let me <laughs> just play it for, for a second so people can hear it. Mm-hmm. Right here. Just doon, 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 doon. It's just the like one measure, and he's and it's and, and he does that pretty much every time you hit that part of it, right? Part of the progression, mm-hmm. and yeah, uh, it like works in sync with what I'm doing on the guitar. Yeah, well, like it works on the other progressions too, because all of both my like octave thing as well as the progression is like leaning on that third chord for like two bars as opposed to being the same you know it's like one bar one bar two bars Mm -hmm. 
So when it goes to that second half, like he goes to the right to kind of think accent, that kind of Yeah, it's kind of like keeping everything suspended up in the air before it comes Mm -hmm. back down on a new downbeat. Yeah, and that's always, like the first time I heard this song, that is the one thing that jumped out at me. I remember that specifically, like, whoa, that's cool. I just, I I like that sound. It's just It's like, um, you know, uh, we went over lessons and building tension kind of a thing, right? Because those first two times, it's it's not, you know, it's like getting, where are we? I gotta pull my guitar. I don't know what cards are. Chords are <laughs> you know, but like it's it's building tension those first three times, and then landing um, on the one and on the 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 fourth time around. Yeah. Um, and he, I don't believe he goes there when it goes to the one. No. Right, yeah. right before the verse. So when it so when it does finally settle into the tonic of the of the progression, he doesn't do that because we're not adding tension right yeah and then right back to tension. really well <laughs> crafted you know these are the things mm-hmm. that people don't think about when they're listening to music but it, like. it's also not you know we didn't sit down and explain it to ourselves that way that's right. just how it felt right to us if right that makes any sense. yeah if anyone's ever played in bands you know what it's like to like write write songs you don't sit down again come up with all this stuff you are playing it and you 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 play something and it sounds right or it feels right and then mm-hmm. you go with it, uh, and then later on and is the, when you kind of like work all this stuff out, right? And so. then to extrapolate on that, the longer you play with somebody, the the better of an idea you know of like where they're going to go, you right. know that kind of a thing. Um, and Ben and I had been in a band prior to uh, Gaslight, so we've been playing together for a while by this point, and uh, you know. Um, just the amount of touring we had done up to that point and a week and a half of pre-production of being in a rehearsal studio from basically 10 a.m. to, you know, past dinner time, uh, just playing these songs over and over and over again. You, you get a, you know, you know where things are happening before it happens kind of a thing. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I don't, I want to keep us moving right along. Um, mm-hmm. But dad, that's like what we've talked about before. Dad always says you, you can't teach chemistry. Right. With these kind of right. things. Like, right. You know, that's it. Yeah. No, that's a good way to if say If you have good that, chemistry sure. with another musician, you get together, it's just, it's magic from the beginning and you just know it. And, mm-hmm. and if it's not, it's really hard to fight through that. And so, it's funny. I was I just going to use that word too. too. It's, it's got to be magical and that's going to translate real well when you're on stage as well. That it just kind of feels magical when you're in the kind of, you know, when mm-hmm. you're in the groove like that. And it just, it's, it's got to be special. Totally. Yeah. So, um, another thing that stands out to me in this is, is Brian's vocals. They sound like they're like, it sounds like a megaphone. I, it's a, um, so I, I don't I want to know, did they use an actual Echoplex? There was, so the studio, what the hell is the name of it? Mad Dog? Because it sounds less like reverb and more like an echo. It, it's a slap. Yeah. So the, this place had a bunch of really cool, like vintage kind of equipment. One of the things being a, a proper, uh, whatever, that old reel to reel, a space echo. So we wanted, Brian wanted to use it on his vocals, you know, to kind of give it that kind of like 50s Elvis kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, and you hear it throughout pretty much the whole it's album. It's on the whole record. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on the whole album. It's his main vocal take. Is has that slap back on it. Does he have you that on other think, albums too? Uh, there might be a bit of it on American Slang, but he definitely pulled away from it after the 59 I think it was, you know, meant to, encompass that whole idea of the 59 sound yeah um uh, you know 50s that like pre-beatles rock and roll mm-hmm. kind of a thing 
Yeah, the, and, and people will hear that when I when I play a couple other clips, some other stuff. You can just listen for that as well for the vocals. He does some really another thing. I feel like he does a lot is he does like like octaves with the vocals. Is that something that he like lower and then sings like harmonizes higher? Yeah, well, I don't know if it's a harmony or it sounds like he's singing the upper register and and the lower like together. Obviously not at the same time, but <laughs> I feel like I hear that in a lot of his records. Have you noticed that? I mean, it's so. So if it's what I'm thinking, you're thinking like, uh, like in uh, when we we did it when we were young. That kind that's of exactly idea. what I, that was the yep. example I was going to yep. give you because yep. that's when it's most prominent. But I feel uh, like he does it in a lot the of his stuff. First time I think we did it, at least intentionally, the first time yeah. we did it um, to kind of have that. It's you know it's something that actually Forgivers is playing a lot with now too because Jed's voice sounds really good in this lower register, but then you're you're missing this needs a little more that's not where people are going to sing along so you kind of have to put a guide vocal where people are going to sing along to it almost so that they do sing along to it if that makes any sense and that's so like alex and i with forgivers are doing like 80 we're singing like 80 percent of the actual song oh wow these things yeah so alex let me ask you a question about that is that something that's intentional when you're building a song and 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 getting ready to put it out that you have to have that voice for for the people joining in and, and singing along to is that something that well, I mean, it's kind of built in. I mean, I think it's, it's natural that people do it anyway. You're singing where it is. Yeah, you're singing where it is normally, right? Yep. Most of the time, it's it's when you have that like lower kind of Tom Waits, Leonard Cohen kind of a, a vibe going on that people aren't going to like. They feel it musically. They they, they yeah. you know in a, on a, on a uh, listening level, but to to sing back at it, it you kind of lose some of that. I, and this is wow, my personal okay. opinion. There's no yeah. Like, that's true. Actually, I, I mean, if you think like if you're at a show and you and if you guys are playing, we did it when we were young. If if the it's crowd part of the reason we never did it live, they're going to be we singing only did that it live two or three part. times because Brian couldn't figure out which one he wanted to sing it in. Uh, and okay, it, yeah. If really one of us, like Alex and I, should have been singing the whole thing with, with him, him, yeah, on whatever one he didn't take, you know, that kind of a thing. Yeah, I'm just picturing um, if I was in that crowd, singing it, you know, back back to the stage. I would be singing the higher part probably right and straining my voice and mm-hmm. not hitting any of the wow. notes <laughs> and, and again but, for anybody yeah, out there listening just, I, like, you, you don't think that the, the the bands or the writers would kind of go to that extent to have that kind of say you know in in the uh, in the building of the song but that's amazing that's amazing to me that, that that's that's part of the equation yeah. and mm-hmm. and you don't hear that in this song from i, I don't think okay that's where about this i was a little bit confused no no i just I, it's just <laughs> because i you know i i hear like the heavy reverb or the echo in a lot of his mm-hmm. vocals and i and i just wanted to point out and just ask you about that because it's another thing yeah. that i notice in a lot of his his vocals on his uh, solo sure. stuff too I've, I've heard a little mm-hmm. bit of it so it's just kind of interesting to me i i want to talk about the guitar too because listening to so much gaslight anthem music i know how, how you guys do it, you know, and then working with you to, you know, I, I understand that like it's it's basically a guitar riff versus the rhythm part. And you tend to play a lot of riffs over the rhythm, even during the verses and during the choruses and everything, which mm-hmm. is not as as common. Um, how did you come up with the riff, that kind of main riff in the verse of this song? Do you, do you remember how that came about? The verse and the riff, that, that was one of those divine strokes of, you know, like just... It was just there. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, most of these, I think all of these songs, at least the ones that we had prior to going into pre-production, um, you know, were, uh, Brian would have the 
progressions and, and you know the structure basically laid out and kind of play it for us a couple of times and then we kind of figure out bits and then tweak things and finalize from there um and that was one of those you know i was trying to think of something that i like creating these like kind of kaleidoscope melodies that that act as you know like kind of change within like my melody resolves every time the chord changes and i like to kind of write things that do that because like i said it gives you a kaleidoscope or maybe ferris wheel kind of vibe so it's like giving you that kind of um uh, i think it gives you that kind of a sensation without having to say any of those words right um if that makes any does, mm -hmm. it, does that make any sense yeah totally um so i do it a lot it's i mean the record opens with something like that with great expectations um the verse in 59 sound does the same thing for the most part i mean i could probably pick something from every song that gaslight has that right. i do that um and it's it's to create it's again it's to build tension in spots so that the parts that are supposed to be building tension it's just kind of a, a tension attenuator yeah. if you you know that and it fills out the sound a lot too than just having just the rhythm yeah, part. It's just playing to I mean, you know, that that gets boring. I feel it gets boring. Um so even for when we recorded this, it was, you know, I uh I also always like, you know, I try to look at in the choruses, look at my guitar more as like a backup singer than uh than a guitar part. So I'm always trying to follow and I think that's part of what made our sound I could I think kind of unique too, is everybody was really following Brian's vocals. Like my guitar lines are following his cadence. The drum beats are following his cadence. The bass lines are following his cadence. It's it's all moving with Brian's parts. Um, and uh, so, so for this, you know, I'm trying to come up with something that, like I said, creates this kaleidoscope feel and then I don't want to overstep where he is so i keep it kind of lower as opposed to like a higher register kind of a thing and i keep it just a simple descending kind of chromatic uh melody so you know it doesn't impede with where he is let me see if i can and, play a, a snippet of the verse see if we you listen for the for the lead guitar in the background You hear it really well there, right in, be yep. in between the, the vocals there, and you can also hear. You know, it, people can also harken back to what we were talking a minute ago and, and hear that uh, that echo on his on the vocals as well. But yeah, I just I wanted to highlight that because I, it, it is such a present thing in a lot of your songs, and I I think that's you know I I love to kind of listen for it, and it's it's kind of it's almost like an Easter egg if you can like pinpoint your ear cool. and focus on that and mm -hmm. follow that riff. You know, it, it, it's kind of a fun thing to do. Can, Thanks, man. Yeah, I just, I, and can I, I just jump, like, did, I, I like, like the idea of that, that you look at your uh, your guitar parts as a backup singer and just playing that, that clip you just mm -hmm. played, Sean, I heard that. I heard that, you know, and, and it's, it's interesting that you kind of think of it that way. When you were saying even the stuff about the kaleidoscope um, and the first wheel, you know, how you're trying to build mm -hmm. on that, do you, I'm, I'm setting you up here, Sean, do you see it, like, mm -hmm. um, visually? When when you when you're listening to the music and listen to that, because Sean and I always have the conversation that he listens to music in a visual way, like he sees it kind of running around his head, and he you know he has this visual which, which kind of this kind you know he, he's a bizarre I guy. I wouldn't say I mean, it's like concrete imagery, you know it, it just but it's, it's a lot of colors. Yeah, you know I I do 
Sorry. No, it's like a, back I, when we all had Windows, like Windows 95, and you had and you put a CD in, and then it had that crazy kaleidoscope <laughs> type thing that played over the music. Right. Right. <laughs> Right. No, okay. it just it, it just that yeah. that made it seem more visual when you were saying about the kaleidoscope and about the uh, the Ferris wheel oh. as well. Yeah. Cool. Well, you think about the way that the the melody you're doing, you know, travels. If it goes up in notes uh -huh. and then comes back down and then like kind of goes around and back and forth, like that's kind of how I tend to follow follow music, which is why it's really fun for me to pinpoint those riffs that that are continuously in motion. All right. Another thing that you probably knew we were going to talk about is Dickie Barrett. That is Dickie Barrett, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's a lot of uh, guest box on this uh, album, actually. Oh, there is. Who else is on it? Yeah, so you got Dickie Barrett's on that one. Um, the actually the car door in um, the beginning of Old White Lincoln is Joseph Royce, the drummer for the Boss Tones. Oh, okay. And yeah, for anyone who doesn't yeah, know who Dickie Barrett is, he's the lead singer for the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. So. Uh, Joe's like really good friends with Ted. I mean, I think he's produced a couple of Austin things actually. Oh, really? Um, so he knew those guys. And Joe just came over to say hi one day and had this crazy classic car. Um, it's like a, I mean, I'm not really a car guy, so I'm probably wrong, but I'm going to say like an early 60s kind of Cadillac thing, nice. like huge, like seafoam green kind of a thing. And we all thought it would be cool to record it, get it on the record. Nice. Right, to kind of add to the, again, this 50s kind of like pre-Beatles rock and roll vibe. So I want to play um, that part with Dickie real quick because it, mm -hmm. if you're a Boston's fan, you'll definitely recognize this this voice. Yeah, so. for sure. I mean, it was like, there was, I don't, I, if we tried to do that, it would it never would have worked the way it does right. with Dickie. Talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. I just want to keep listening to it. Um, so I think, I think that I was there at the one time that you guys performed this live with Dickie doing that part. I uh, was it his birthday party. It was in yeah. It was in Boston. It was like outside at like Union Square somewhere in Boston. Mm -hmm. And I think that either him or Brian mentioned that that was like the only time that it, that or the first time it's ever happened where he actually played it live. With yeah, you guys. That's, I don't think it's ever happened. Other than that. I'm very happy to say that I was there to witness that. <laughs> It was yeah. a cool movie. Oh yeah, because I I do not do that part justice. I'll just say that. <laughs> that was a that was a cool show. <laughs> I don't have the voice for that. But yeah, um, they're on it. Chris Wallard's on uh, Meet Me by the River's Edge, um, doing backups uh, for the chorus there. Um, there's the backup singers we have on a couple of the other songs were like part of Springsteen's um, like his Pete Seeger band. You know, oh, cool. like yeah, there's a different group of people yeah, then. Yeah. Like the E Street Band kind of a thing. Um, that might have been everybody. Nice. Where did you do? Where did think, you record it? Um, so the uh, the drums we recorded at one studio, I believe, called King King Size, and then the rest of it was recorded at a place uh, that's no longer a studio that I think was called Mad Dog. Hmm. All of it's in K L uh, LA. Was that was this under Side One? Yeah. There's, yeah. Oh, uh, duh. The end of that song has Joe Sib from Side One Dummy and Wax and 22 Jacks. So Side One Dummy, um, Reverend Peyton, who we've talked to on the show before too, was also um, with them at one point. Side mm -hmm. One Dummy was the, the record label. So um, if you like this kind of music, kind of that, that punk alternative stuff, uh, they have some mm -hmm. really, really good artists. So, so make sure you check out 
their list of list of artists they have there. For sure. But yeah, the, the woe is at the very end. That's Joe Sip, the owner. That's actually another thing uh, I was going to ask you is, um, let me just get those going. Whoa. So I was going to ask you if, if you guys, I mean, I, I know the answer now, but if, if you guys do a lot of the backup vocals on the records or if Brian a lot of times does the backups. Uh, um, I think on this record, it was a lot of Brian, not so many, you know, we didn't really have much experience with it yet, yeah. uh, singing and stuff. So uh, like that's, that's the first record I ever sang backup, like properly backup vocals on. Yeah, because when my uh, band recorded our album, our, our vocalist went in alone. We just we were done with our parts, and he went in a different day and did all of the lead vocals and all the backup vocals too. Yeah, the, see, the thing I think with that is you get the same sound and you lose this kind of third It's a little less dynamic kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, it works for things like Queen, right? right. But it, it doesn't work, I think, in every facet. Um, you know, so it's it, Alex really learned how, like where his spot was and got really good at that. Um, like doing the backup stuff, um, but at this point, you know, we we hadn't really figured that stuff out yet. Interesting. So let's see, what do I have? Oh, there's. All right, just a couple things. My, I think my favorite line, my favorite part of this whole thing is when he says the line, uh, "Maybe I should call me an ambulance." What an interesting, not just lyrically, but a really fascinating way that he delivers it, kind of at the end of that line in in each chorus. And I want to share that with people too, just so they can hear what I'm talking about. It's such a great finish, finish, finisher to that that section of the chorus. You know, I I, mm -hmm. I like how do you how do you come up with that? Like that's so good. <laughs> it's so good vocally, and 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 with the the drums emphasizing it and everything. Like every every instrument is emphasizing that one line. I mean, what? Right. Well, that's what I was saying from before. Like, you know, we we all kind of wrote our parts based around Brian's vocals. None of these songs can exist without his lyrics already kind of being. Yeah, there. I have the only I, exception I can I can I can think of off the top of my head where the the there was a riff prior to the song was uh, even cowgirls get the blues. Yeah, yeah, it. we've talked about that one too. And the best one, obviously, when he when he does this is when it does cut out after that little kind of. I don't, I don't really call it a breakdown, but when it kind of, you know, calms down the, a little. And the middle eight, as the English refer. What is it? The middle eight. Middle eight. Or it gets quiet. Yeah, it gets quieter. Yeah. But then when he comes back to it and you have that same, just, it's just the vocals and then it's the riff that goes over the very beginning behind it. After this build up. It's so powerful. And I just, I love that so much. I have a wall at work on my cubicle of um, like little snippets of song lyrics or poetry or photos or comics or something that are like, in, that like inspire me. And I have one that just mm. says, maybe I should call me an ambulance. I have no idea what it means. I don't know what that lyric means. That doesn't mean anything to me, but that phrase. It triggers something in you. Mm -hmm. The phrase and the, the musical phrase of it is really, really powerful to me. And it hits me for some reason. I just, I love it. I love it. And that. the guitar behind and it too. I don't, I don't know how oh. to describe it. If anyone could figure out how to describe that kind of feeling and why it does that, then that would be helpful to me. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, that's the part of the magic of music, right? right? You can use words and sounds to create this kind of 
unexplainable sensation yeah within within your heartstrings yeah it's you know and that's what you i mean that's the dream like that's what you reach for right when you're making music is that feeling you want mm -hmm. that feeling and i just I, I that just that moment of that song really hits me and and it's very effective so well done <laughs> tell tell all the guys i, I appreciate them doing that. will do um, so then the last thing I wanted to do is I want to talk about this demo again, kind of go back and forth because there's some pretty key differences. Mm -hmm. First mm -hmm. of all, lyrically, the thing my dad noticed was Cleveland versus Jersey. I don't know. I, I, do you have any explanation for that or is that just... Sound? I think Cle Cleveland was where it was written and we changed it to Jersey to make it more us. Smart choice. Right. Flows much better that way. Maybe that's just because I knew that version first. But I, I'm curious about... I, I really like the kind of pre-chorus in the demo almost more than I like it, the, which is the section with Dickie Barrett in the final recording. Right. And I want to see, maybe I can play that for people so they can see what I'm talking about because you won't hear this in the original, the regular recording. I love that. Uh, that is so, so much more without even thinking. I, right, uh, and Ted was trying to kind of make us something bigger than right. So that's why things like that got the cut. Because the only thing that's different is the words. I'm wondering if like it's just like it's too much in your. That's you know what, what I, mean? I love about to, it. I love that it course, keeps going. And for the chorus to hit hard, you got to pull it back right before so that so it was, there's it more was impact when it happens. Too too verbal, too much with the vocals and, and took away from the uh, the chorus and the music? Mm. Right. Because oh, okay. it's almost like that part's that. bigger than the chorus was. I'm picturing like playing that yeah. live on stage and singing that part would just be so much fun because it's, it's right. fast but it's, and it's, it's, you know. All, it's like I'm saying, with the words, it's too bombastic. Yeah. The words are the only part that's different. Everything else is the right. same. Right. Yeah. You know? So it's like it's just too much because the chorus doesn't have isn't a it's not a very wordy chorus. That's true. Yeah. Right. So uh, the idea is to pull back even more so that it, the chorus hits harder. I wonder if you could have done so like taken that section and put that in the part where it gets. Cool. I mean, we did with other songs. You know, the the bridge to a song we didn't even use turned out to be the chorus in Old White yep. Lincoln. Yep. And that didn't right? even have so a title it, on that on that demo release, right? It was like. No, I forgot what they call it. Well, I think it was just, I, I think the working title was Maria. Yeah, I think that they call it like uh, time filler or something. <laughs> like they call it. Oh, yeah. So something, something like weird that. like yeah. that. But um, I forgot. placeholder. Placeholder. Yeah, think. that's what they call it. Placeholder. Yeah. Um, and the first time I listened to that, that slapped me in the face when I heard that the, the bridge. And I'm like, oh, I know mm -hmm. this song. That's cool. Um, I wonder if you could have taken this section, this pre chorus from the demo, and put it over like the, the quiet part in the final recording if that if something if it would have worked in that section I mean, like maybe. i just you know these are the things that the like go on in my know. mind and i'm like god what if you know <laughs> true enough but yeah i mean that's why you never throw anything away that way you can come back to the good you know what i mean like there's like oh that one that would work great it's here. great now it's like yeah. less for you to even think yeah about. and that's but, just one of those things because i knew this song so well by the time i heard the demo when i heard that i was like whoa <laughs> Whoa! What's this? You know <laughs> what was that? Yeah. So very does that cool. just show the the dramatic difference? The dramatic difference between um, having to have the restraints of being uh, in the recording studio because, like you said, the 
the the vocals were almost too rich and it took you away but then you play it live you can almost kind of take it to the next notch and it's dramatically different or feels dramatically different to play it it's i I think beyond that the dynamics again and this is me trying to remember things from 10 years ago um (laughs) that you know it it was back then i'm like lyric thing okay check out i don't care Right. right um so but i i believe it was it's it's more of a dynamic thing than a dramatic thing right because you have your it's the intro is intense then the the verse stays up there right and there's no real you know still building that um the the pre-chorus then becomes this like it's I like yeah I don't know how to explain it other than it's like it's too much in too short a period of time kind of right. thing. Well, that, I think it, if, if yeah. anything, it highlights the importance of having a producer, right? Because he's going to hear something yes. and know what is going to work and what it needs. Whereas you guys write something and you think it sounds awesome because it's super fun to play, but he, mm-hmm. you need him there to kind of reel things in and say, well, no, this is what we should do because yeah. it 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 and influences it's because this. that chorus. The chorus has this kind of it has more of a meandering quality than the rest of the song yeah. does so that to you had to kind of pull back a bit before that so that it still had a bit more energy to it when it yeah. happened does that make interesting sense? that that's all i have about this song um i love this song i could listen to it over and over again i have listened to it over and over again um one thing that we ask everybody and i'll i'll answer it for myself as well is what is your favorite part of this song what's your favorite thing about this song alex mine yeah um i kind of you know i I, it's one of my favorites it's just a lot of fun to play um and you know i don't know i I remember like during the making of this record this one really kind of stood out for me for some reason and it's kind of it's never really kind of lost its gusto as far as i'm concerned nice um it stayed up you know as one of my favorites this whole time awesome Whereas like other ones will come and go based on the record, you know what I mean? Yeah. Based on the record, kind of whatever we did last kind of a thing. But this one's, yeah, no, this one's definitely up there. Nice. Yeah. My favorite part of this, my favorite thing about this song is that part that I played. I've, I've talked about it to death now, but when it, when it cuts off and it's just that intro guitar riff over the vocals um, of maybe I should call me an ambulance, I think that's just really powerful. That's my favorite part of the song. The other question we always ask people is who... Who would you like to hear cover this song? And I don't, hmm. I don't know. Dad, do you have any opinion on that? And and Dad, I didn't even ask you. You, you know, are there any parts that stood out to you too? I don't know if that that's even a fair question to ask the artist who who made the song. You know, I mean, oh, it's a beautiful song. We love that song and stuff. But who would you like to hear it by? You know, I, I don't know. I I don't know if anybody can get do it as, ju- as I much think justice. it would be cool um, to hear someone else cover your own song. But that's that's me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't so know. I'm gonna say, I'm not so I'm going to say, based solely on um, uh, knowing that they've covered other stuff and they did a really good job, uh, the Killers. I, I brought uh, out the Killers for probably thirty percent of the episodes we've done. Yeah, almost I every they, one of the they songs can we kill, talk about that. Yeah. They can just just make any song theirs. They did a really good version of American Slang. Oh really? Did they really? Uh, yeah, I think you can find a YouTube version of it. Oh, I'm gonna have to look it's that. It's very up. laid back. That's it's cool. like not as bombastic. It's really great. Um, and so yeah, that. So based on that, I'm gonna say the Killers. Cool. 
What are your thoughts, Dad? Favorite part? Cover? Um, cover fa- artist? My favorite part is is at the end. Um, what did you What did you call it? What did the English call it, Alex? Uh, at the break at near the, the end? middle eight. Middle eight. The middle eight. Okay, I didn't know that. I'm going to use that from now on. I will quote you on that. That's but a good I, band I will name. Use that again. Yeah. Um, when it when it breaks down and then it, it it's the uh, the the drum on the on the you know with just playing on the side with the rims, and then you know and then um, with your guitar kind of kind of joining in and then just builds builds and then the drum just does that that drum roll to the you know when it hits bam you know with the uh, the final mm-hmm. chorus coming in I love that part I think that's going to be my favorite I mean I like the entire right. song that's one of the things that I think picking up the album that's probably one of the ones that always jumps out at me as well. Um, Cool. As far as anybody else playing it, I don't know. I don't know. I, I you know, uh, it, it's probably too predictable to say mighty mighty boss tones, but maybe you know. I mean, I, 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 I'd like that. to hear somebody with a with a horn section in the background playing, you know, the same same kind of riffs as the uh, as the guitar riffs, something like that. Something I don't know. And then you have it's Brian come in and do the backup vocals in the pre-chorus. <laughs> over and <laughs> just over. Just swap right? it. Yeah. Swap right. everything. No. Just no, it's just a very cool song, very nice. Good choice. Great. Thanks. Cool. Any last minute comments on that before we go on to the next one? Yeah. Very cool. Well, your song is Oh no, 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 I do, I do, I do, I do, I do have a, oh. I have a last minute because I wrote this down and I wanted to make sure I said this. Alex, yeah. one of the things again, mm-hmm. talking about going and finding the, the songs on YouTube and stuff, I, I found a version of, of uh, you guys playing this in Holland and I wanna say nine years ago or something like this. Yeah. Um, at, at a festival and uh, it was really interesting to see the chemistry uh, between you and, and Brian. Brian is certainly playing a lot to his right where you are um, and is smiling throughout the entire song you know and I you know I, I, I like the band I've, we've seen them and you know I've watched a middle million videos and everything else but it just there was a certain kind of happiness and energy during that song looking at you and just have this this back and forth was is that the norm or was that just a really crazy and and again you know you're trying to remember no. something from 100 years ago but is that is, is that just that something wasn't that goes an isolated all the time? incident if that's what you mean no that no, that happens all the time together. yeah i wouldn't oh. say all the time it, it doesn't happen it just looks so fun and so special See, but it happens you know, quite a bit. Yeah, no, we all have fun playing those songs. You know, sometimes somebody's not having the best day. Uh, so that might, you know, if, you know, we're all humans, right? Yeah. So different yeah. things affect yeah. us differently. Um, but, you know, honestly, no, that's love- one of the songs that like was always able to pull me kind of out of whatever funk I was in. Really? If that makes awesome. sense. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that might be for in, a lot of in, us. In that you know, video, you were, you were playing the Silver Burst Les Paul, by the way in that video okay yeah i mean that was i mean i i love that thing uh 84 yeah, I, I think geez. i think our listeners have picked up on me being kind of a gear nerd a guitar nerd when it so yeah right. <laughs> i'm not ashamed to, to bring it up i just wanted to make sure i got that in too that was really interesting to see you guys the oh, dynamic right. that you had on stage as well that was that was really yeah fun, no so. we i mean yeah. we would yeah good times were had by all there you go, awesome. there you go. Right. i can only imagine That's what it's also, like to play in front of that many people that's crazy I usually keep my head down, so I wouldn't. I don't really have a good answer for it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we've been going. We we almost have a full length episode on that one song, but I want to make sure we talk about your song too. So, no um, 
Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. Alex said today he wanted to talk about the title track from uh, the album Disintegration. I mean, it could have been any song off this record, to be honest with you. I picked the title track because it's the title track. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, this is the song you chose, so let's do it. Um, Here's a little snippet of it, just the beginning. So there's a lot going on in this song, so make sure you listen closely. Yeah, so. and there's a lot of layers to this song. There's, you know, it, it passively listening to the song, it just sounds like it's the same three chords over and over and over again. You actively listen to what's actually happening. There's like every time there's a new part to the song, there's a new thing added, and then just keeps building into this giant crescendo at the end awesome. of it. So Which, let's listen to it. So go ahead and check out the um, "You're Not Listening" Spotify playlist. Or click the link in the show notes to listen to it on YouTube and then come on back and we will talk about it. This song feels wow. like a panic attack. It's meant to, right? <laughs> That's the idea. Disintegration. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm losing my mind. I can't deal with this anymore. It's all going to shit. That's that's basically yes. the premise Yeah, of the I mean song. It, yeah. it's yeah. just it builds and builds. Sounds so to, painful. It, it just, a greater yeah. anxiety I mean, as the secure, song it's supposed to. goes. It's perfect. It's perfect <laughs> for that. Yeah. I mean, he's he's probably, I would say, one of the best pop songwriters, um, you know, from the 80s and 90s. If you do things like Love Cats or Just Like Just Like Heaven or Close to Me, Friday I'm in Love, these are amazing pop songs. But then the other... <laughs> There's this darker <laughs> the side. The other side of that coin is like these like gargantuan, like epic eight-minute kind of like just uh. panic attacks <laughs> and i'm just a sucker for it every single time <laughs> what is it about that that like draws you to it? i mean what do you play along with it do you just sit there and kind of soak it in and feel all so of the emotions songs, i never really attempted to learn any of this kind these kinds of cure songs um until i was asked to play in like a cure tribute band 
Um, and you know, they, we made up like a set list of songs and then like started going through them and like really realizing how intricate a lot of this guitar stuff is and things that I just thought were just, like I said, it's just three chords and you break it down. It's like five guitar parts doing completely separate things, but all moving in a similar way, kind of a thing like that. The drums don't change. Right. But that's no. not a drum machine. That's an actual human on drums. Right. Um, the bass it stays pretty much there's a there's a verse technique there's a part a and a part b basically part b only happens twice towards the end um and then the rest of it is that part a and it's just it's just i mean first of all the, i think the tone on it is like this it's like this cutting it doesn't feel like a bass you know it almost just feels like a really low baritone guitar well when they did use bass six on the record but i don't believe it's on this song when you're listening to this yeah. And you get that kind of constant, like you said, the drums don't change, the bass doesn't really change, and there's that guitar, the, those couple guitar parts that don't really change to kind of go throughout the whole thing. It reminds me of bands like Fish, or okay. uh, who do sim something similar. Obviously, completely different genre, completely different feel, but they do mm -hmm. something similar. Or someone like Death Cab for Cutie, who I'm sure was heavily right. influenced by The Cure as well. But you know, so that's a, that's like, a safe assumption. Yeah. <laughs> That's the feeling. We've talked about what was the song we did by them, Dad? That we that we covered. Um, I can't remember. Right I think now. you I are guess. a tourist. We covered you are a tourist, oh. which has a very similar feel to this, where it's kind of like that kind of slogging along. Only this, you know, builds up more and more and more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the tension in this is is, is amazing. Though that's what it is. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then, and then lyrically, he seems so like you you start off like I'm. I'm not really great right now, but it's still way more put together. And by the end of it, the lyrics are just like this stream of consciousness. That I love that. I wrote that down. Any sense. I wrote that yeah. uh, to the to the roof, to the roof of your mouth, to to your eye, to the eye of the needle. Um, Glass of the roof, to the roof of the mouth, to the mouth of the eye, to the eye of the needle. It's crazy. It's just it's this 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 really linear stream of thought that. If you're losing your mind, like, and you you can't control where your mind goes, mm -hmm. that's what's going to happen, which is just really, really cool. And that weird vocal effect thing that they keep bringing up over and over again, it starts off just on that one line, then it kind of creeps into two lines, and by the end of it, it's almost doubling the whole part, but, like, yeah. buried underneath. Do you know where that is? I'd like to see if we can share that. So, so like, if you go to the beginning, the first time he says the... Um, I just let go of my party piece. That part has, that's probably the clearest that it's in the mix. Yeah. It's like this weird, like it's, it's, it's almost like just the, the tape de degrading from like a delay, like a tape delay, hmm. but like just that part of it and not like the initial like yeah. signal from it. Let I don't know again. how they did it. Just let go oh yeah. That's so you weird. don't notice it at first. And then in the second verse, it shows up a little bit more frequently, yeah. but like lower in the thing. And then by the end of it, it's like, it's almost like underneath the entire time. Yeah, There's a guitar cool. that's just a flanger running. Like, like they're just yeah, got yeah, that. Yeah. That's just buried. There's so many things buried underneath these songs that just like creates this like atmospheric, like this dense fog of atmospheric sadness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, by, by the time we hit four minutes, I was hearing that like the there was something, whether it was a guitar or a synth or something, that was doing like a gallop, very reminiscent to like what you hear in a lot of U two stuff. 
Yeah, there's like a tremolo. Like what is like, 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 like I'm trying to pinpoint what that instrument is that that's that's doing that. It might be a, it might be a synth and not a guitar. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. It's really yeah. really deep. It's deep in the mix. It's you gotta mm-hmm. kind of listen specifically for it. There is like a, I remember the CD for this. I opened it up and the bottom of the liner notes, it said this a record was mixed to be played loud. Yeah. And then in all capitals, it said, so turn it up with like four exclamation points. That's awesome. And it really does make a difference. I'm not going to ask you to like replay the whole thing though, but like listen to this song as loudly as possible. These things just like start to bloom. Things that you're like, was that what I think? And then you, you like really crank it. It just becomes, it also becomes a completely different song. Yeah, it's cool. Cool. Um, it's almost like the, the vocals are like secondary, right? Yeah, I mean, I think Robert Smith is kind of like that. That's kind of how he does. Yeah, I mean, all of his, like his vocals are very kind of ethereal and kind of, you know, mm, a, yeah. a top layer, like an icing on a cake as opposed to kind of the, you know, the, the main highlight of the song. Mm-hmm. For sure. Dad, you look well, at it. And again, and- it's like his... Without any kind of real structure, it's just, it's more of this, it becomes this like unraveling. Yeah, it just kind of <laughs> floats along. Because mm-hmm. with a lot of the Cure stuff, isn't aren't his vocals usually pretty sparse and, and pretty compact for the most part? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd because, say so. I mean, he gets wordy at times, but it's usually on these these darker these, kind of. These eight minute, yeah. Because well, it's, it's like rambling, like it's like getting it salad. out, like all this stuff is in my head and he's just kind of getting it out. He's not yeah. really like, it's not a definitive thing where he's like belting out things. He's It's it's a a stream of consciousness more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it just seems like it, such a word salad of everything when he's, lo- like you said, Alex, it sounds like he's losing his mind, you know, when it's all, you know, kind of building into that, what did you just say? The dense fog of sadness, which was a great line, by the way. Um, Thank you. Write and that down, Alex. As, <laughs> you know, as the, the great band name. So the the, the Cure band, the tribute band. Um, could you could you reproduce? Could you play these songs? We 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 did this integration. Yeah, it, it, wow. it did. It definitely didn't come out as impactful. But I think we did a really good job with a lot of them. Um, you know, I used my basics for pictures of you, and we, you know, we did some of the. Most of our set was the more darker side of things, as opposed to just wow. doing the kind of popular things. Well, the you know, if you're a Cure tribute band, then the people who are going to go see it are the hardcore you, Cure fans. Yeah, you, so, you yeah. want to hear that, right? Probably, that being said, we 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 are called the Love Cats, which is you know probably one of the popular ones. Right, so yeah, it might yeah, be like right. a right, but it lends itself flag, to huh? being a band name. Let's be yeah, serious. That's a great band. <laughs> <such a> band <laughs> name. How how was this song received by by the crowd? You know, obviously it's going to be think, a well, crowd. I think yeah. really well. I, like I said, I think we did. I think we ended up doing a really good job with all of it. Um, you know, we, we everyone who was part of that tribute band was like not just a Cure fan, but like Cure obsessed like fanatic. You know, yeah, like yeah. Uh, the drummer bought a drum pad just so that we could get something that sounded exactly like one of the songs. Oh wow. The, I mean, the keyboards were from the '80s that the a keyboard player had. The actually, the German keyboard player are in this band uh, called Seaside Caves, which I love. Shameless plug. Mm-hmm. Um, from Jersey, that kind of sounds like the if the Cure was from New Jersey, I guess, instead of England. Great band, but like, yeah. So the two of them, I th- when when I heard that they were in the the love the love cats, I was like, oh, this is gonna be easy. <laughs> um, and then the bass player is uh, Chrissy Rodriguez, who was in uh, the Explosion. And uh, played bass in Loved Ones, 
awesome dude and again like like nailed the tone like everything people were like we we got like nerdy about it we were trying to like do things exactly the way they did things well that's what you do as a tribute band you got to get nerdy about it's the difference i guess between tribute band and cover band yeah right Right. big big difference people don't think of that you know we got this this venue uh right near my house it's actually like 15 minutes from my house i get some really good acts but lately all they've been getting is tribute bands and i'm just like it's like getting to me i'm like you need to get some people here that aren't tribute bands i want to see some like the real musicians playing their own music right but uh yeah if it is someone that you love if it's a you know a tribute band to someone that you're really into then it, the music is the music and you're gonna love it regardless so. for sure especially if they do it justice right yeah exactly mm-hmm um so the, yeah this was my first time hearing this so i wasn't able to you know get i mean i listened to it i was thinking first... about that this morning and being like did i did i go too deep no 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 it's good i listened to one? it when you first sent it to me but you know i didn't get a chance to really focus mm-hmm. in on it until right now when we we're listening so i don't have too many things that i can point out i did want to see i should have made a time a note of the timestamp. i wanted to see if we could share that that part where it is the the roof to the roof of your mouth and yeah i'd say it's it's probably about 65 to 70 percent through that song that's just cool yeah and then it, that's it, some pink floyd stuff easier right for there. me to get closer to heaven than ever feel whole again yeah, and you don't. You, and it, it is like when you get into the lyrics, it is really, it's really depressing. Yeah, well, that's like what I was going to say. Like marriage, you, the end it, of a life. I don't, but I don't think it was the end of his marriage. I don't know where he's like pulling it. Maybe it was almost or something like that, you know, because it gets into this whole thing of like, basically, like you knew it was going to happen if you were with me, and here it comes. Yeah, kind of a thing. It, it's hard to to follow the lyrics because there is so much going on that you almost need. You need those liner notes. If you if like if you mm-hmm. choose to take a dive into songs like this, you need to read you the need lyrics to have the because words it's with you for sure. it's hard to isolate them and, and pick them out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's when I listened to it. I opened up the CD insert and kind of read along with it the whole time. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> it's a lot to digest, but it's and every time it's Powerful. like you find something new every time you listen to it too. Yeah. Now, like again, that goes for every song on this record. I could have had the same talk for any song on this <laughs> album. Yeah, awesome. I mean, that's all I have, Dad. Do you have anything else that you want to say about this? I, I it it's it's wonderfully disturbing, if that's such a th- way to say it. You know, it's a great. Um, way to I say have it. to say that um, when we just when went back and you were trying to cue some of those up, Sean, I, I took Alex's suggestion and I I really cranked it in the headphones. And it does feel different, you know, and I don't know what it was, but it almost seemed like maybe because I was a little more active listening for the lyrics, but everything sounded clearer and I I was picking Mm -hmm. up on his voice a little more and I could pick up some of the No, that I think really happens, you know. It was recorded in tape, it it was mixed analog, and I think that kind of like real threshold as opposed to the digital threshold makes a bit of a difference. Okay, yeah, Yeah, so I just just experienced exactly what you said. quietly and it'll be quieter. This was like, this actually changed the way the song sounds. Yeah, and we we actually say that a lot of times when we're talking about all kinds of songs on every one of the podcasts is, you know, listen to the song with a good set of headphones, but we don't often say, but listen to it loud, you know, listen, like really crank it up. But I think that that did make a difference. You're right. In fact, I have to turn myself down because I feel like I'm screaming at myself. (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> but it, it did make a difference. I'm, I'm glad you gave that suggestion. I'm going to go back and listen awesome. to it with it really cranked. Cool. So, Alex, what's your favorite thing about this song? What's your favorite part? What, uh, there's a lot to choose from. The, I mean, there is so much. The, the guitar lines, I love the guitar lines on it. Especially, like, there's, you know, it's like a bunch, instead of, like, n- nobody's playing chords, it's all just these little simple, like, like bits, right? And there's, like, it's either this like there's only part a and part b but there's like bit one through fucking 15 right um like a big puzzle that all, all comes like, together to form and they're all hooks every single new thing that's first that bass line is a hook that drum beat is a hook and then the guitar if that first guitar comes in that's a hook and then that piano thing comes in there's another hook and then you know those strings come in that's another hook the other guitar bits that kind of come up in the verses that's Yet another, you know what I mean? So there's so many little bits, these simple little hooky melodies that he just layers on top and top and top. Yeah, songs like this is like an all-you-can-eat buffet for music nerds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's yeah. Uh, and that guitar tone, I think, is part of my, one of my favorite parts of it too. It's something that I've always tried to strive for. It's, it's like, it's like broken up, but it's still pretty clean. There's, crazy amount of like flange and phase or chorus or some kind of modulation effect on it but it's not like overtly warbly Mm -hmm. um you know it's it's just tasty (laughs) it's tasty tasty Mm -hmm. good good. word um would you even bother trying to think of anyone that you could see covering this song? This song, uh, Love, the Lo- Love Cats. Oh, by, Love Cats by uh, by myself. When I was just yeah, I opened up for a Brian tour uh, as Dead Swords just by myself, um, which went over as well as you think it would. Did, uh, did you did you do that? It in was Boston? in Europe. No, I was in Europe. No, okay, I was gonna say I saw. No, um, I no, I had like one kid a night come up to me and go, "Have you ever heard of My Bloody Valentine?" I'm like, okay. You got it. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, I did it by myself. But at that point, you know, because it was just by myself, I basically just played out the chords, you know. And then uh, I honestly, I've heard other people cover it. And once you try to make it sound more like you and less like that, it just, the message is completely yeah. gone. Um, so I'm going to go with, I can't really. Love uh, tribute band. You got to be a Cure tribute band. Right? You got maybe a Cure tribute band, yeah, <laughs> or like uh, you know somebody else that's just so close to sounding like that on their own. Yeah, um, that it would make sense. Yeah, I was saying, you know, I was like thinking, popier stuff works. As we're listening right? to it, I'm thinking, okay, well, this could be a Pink Floyd song. It would sound different, but it would be like they could do it. Yeah, they might be able to pull that off. You know, uh, that's not a bad idea. I mean, and you got to think that that kind of stuff came from somewhere for them too, right? right? But um, yeah, I'm trying to think like, like on like you two maybe would be able to YouTube, do that. Maybe Death Cab, maybe not. <laughs> right? Oh, and Death Cab has tried. There might be. Yeah. If you look, check the internet out. Yeah, there might be actually one. I'm going to actually look it up. Let's look it up right now. <laughs> See who covered it. Straight to the YouTube. There it is. All right. So while you're doing that, I just want to, first of all, thank you for for coming on the show, Alex. really means a lot. And, you know, you've taught me a lot uh, through our lessons and everything. And so I'm glad that uh, we were able to get you on here because I think you had a lot of really good things to say. And we really appreciate you joining us and talking about this stuff. Awesome. It was this was a lot of fun, man. I had a blast. Oh yeah, Converge actually does a pretty cool cover. I don't 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 know know if you're familiar with Converge. Converge is like probably the biggest hardcore metal band from uh, your neck of the woods. Oh. Okay. To be honest with you. Interesting. 
Yeah, uh, great band. Uh, if you have never listened to them and want to listen to something a bit more, even more uh, unraveling than what we just listened to. <laughs> I want to urge all of our listeners to check out Forgivers too. Forgivers is what Alex is doing right now. And the song I would recommend is Pretty Boys. There's a lot of good guitar work in that song too. Do you want to talk about Forgivers at all? Sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, we did those reunion shows. I guess I did those reunion shows in 2018. And, you know, I got around talking to Alex about trying to do something that was, you know, um, but played more into some of our other influences like The Cure or Joy Division, things like that. The, more of a, you know, uh, English rock kind of thing. And kind of at the same time that I was having discussions with him, uh, another friend of mine was telling me how I need to meet his friend because we'd write really good songs together and all this other stuff. And then it turned out that this guy he was talking about having to live literally around the corner from me. Oh, nice. Like literally around the corner. Um, not even a full block between houses kind of a thing. And uh, uh, we started working on stuff. You know, I asked if he'd be cool if Alex was the bass player. He said, yeah. And then as far as drummers, I, you know, I've been working a lot with Trevor, uh, with Dead Swords. Uh, my original intention with Dead Swords was it was me and my friend Corey and we were going to just rotate out everybody else as he's like, I have, we have a show this day. Can you guys do it? No. Can you do it? You know, can you like, I have so many friends that are musicians. I wanted something where everybody could kind of take part. So at this point, you know, we've played not that many shows, but there's been like eight different guitar players and five different bass players, one drummer. A kid has not missed the thing. Um, and I really dug that about him. Um, so I asked him to play drums and we kind of started working on stuff and, had like two songs and then lockdown and mm. <laughs> like shit. So we decided to kind of work remotely instead to kind of, you know, can keep the fire going. And I think it definitely helped, you know, and we, our, our initial idea of what we sounded like is, is it kind of changed a bit from, uh, from then till now, but I think for the better. And, you know, normally when you start a new band, you're like, all right, we have five songs. Let's play a show. Um, because we didn't have the ability to do that we were allowed to kind of really kind of tool these things to be exactly what we really got to define what we sounded like before anybody got to hear us which i think is cool and usually doesn't happen right you know right. normally it's like this is us and then you kind of like oh that exactly. those yeah, two songs are opposite. cool yeah. so let's do more stuff like that and kind of like whittle it almost like live in front of everyone as you're playing. Whereas this is like, here's the thing. And I think as a bunch of 40 year old dads, um, we don't really have another op, you know, we don't have the time. We know the luxury of time to be like, here's our first record and keep going, going, we're gonna, we have to kind of make this, everything we do, like a drop the mic kind of moment for it to work at all. If that yeah, no, sense. I hear you. I know, I know all about not having time. <laughs> for sure yeah so i mean i think that's our show any last minute comments cool. you want to say anything you want to plug or no i that's yeah no that's everything all right this is a lot of fun man yeah so again we were graciously joined by alex rosamelia from the gaslight anthems dead swords forgivers what were some of the other ones there's <laughs> been a lot of them that was that's it as if that's anything that's uh, currently up and running all right cool so um <laughs> make sure you check out his music again alex thank you so much for joining us we really appreciate it it's really cool to have you know a member of one of my favorite bands come and talk to us about music and uh, had a lot of sure, fun oh, this is a blast yeah this is a lot of fun thank you so much so 
Listeners, remember to subscribe to You're Not Listening. Follow us on social media at YNL Podcast. Join the discussion group on Facebook so we can talk about more music. Remember to check out Pantheon Podcasts for more awesome music-related podcasts. And stay hydrated, listen to good music, and don't be a dick. We will talk to you next time. That's good. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.